Please be seated. Well, we enter again to this, this bittersweet time, the, the end of a series. Um, it's, a, it's always bittersweet for me because I, I hate to leave a series behind, but it's exciting because getting ready to, to start a new series next week. We've been talking about really reset church edition. And what we've been talking about is, is how, do we, how do we reset in our church? We, we began the year talking about resetting our, our hearts, resetting our minds, uh, resetting our, our hands for, for service. And, and then we switched over to, to church. And, and really, as we began talking about reset church edition, uh, we started off with what is our vision? That's the who, who we are. And, and what we talked about is that, that our vision is this. If, if you were to describe who we are, this is the way that we want to be described. Some of it is the way we are. Um, other times it's the way we want to be. So we begin with the vision, who, it's Christ followers, committed family, and compassionate friends. We're first of all Christ followers, that's, that's really where we begin. But we're also committed family, we are a church family, we're committed to one another in the body of Christ. But we're also compassionate friends in, in that we, we're not here for us, that we are here for the glory of God and for the gospel's sake, to reach out into the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we don't just stop with who we are. We, that, that's the who. Now we want to talk about the what. That would be our mission. What is it that we are supposed to be doing? I, I don't know about you, but I get distracted sometimes. And, and I, I, I do this. I, I told someone the other day that half of my, whenever I'm doing a project, half of my time is spent looking for the thing I just had in my hand. Does that ever happen to anyone? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to another part of that that is another problem of mine. But the mission is what? We don't want to forget what it is that we are called here to do. And the way that we phrase this, we know that very simply, every church's mission is to make disciples of all the world. But very simply, the the way that we stated here is our mission is leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And and that starts before they, they come to faith in Christ and goes to when they're ready to usher them, when they're ready to be ushered into the, the the very throne room of grace into the presence of God at the end of life, leading people into a life changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's the what. Then we get to the strategy. We talked about the how. It, it's really it's really nice to know who it is that, that we are called to be and what it is that we're called to do, but. But I don't know about you, I, I, I need a, a, a how. How do you do this? I'm a very practical kind of guy. In fact, I remember threes. I always try to, to make things threes for me. It messes me up. My, my wife, she just learned to put up with me. She'll, she'll send me to the store with, with a list, and I say, what do we need? She goes, well, we need some milk. Okay, I can remember that. We need some eggs. Okay, I'm, I'm only up to two. I'm, I'm still good. And we need some bread. The milk, eggs, and bread. Okay, I'm good. And I'm walking out the door. She goes, oh, and we need some Swiffer Mops. Guess how many things I come back with? Three. So, so the strategy of, of how, how, how is it that, that we propose to do this, to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ? And we just talked about this last week. Really, our, our how is, is simple to say. Um, it's a little bit more complicated as we talk about how we do this, but it, it, it's simply this. Invest, invite, and do life through Christ. 
So invest in relationship with people. Uh, I, I know. Uh, in fact, I was uh, had the privilege of talking with, with Adam uh, uh, yesterday, and he's describing to me the things that, that God is calling him to do through Project Impact and, and going to Denver. I was a summer missionary. My wife was a summer missionary. That's a really neat thing uh, for a college student to do. And, and so we, we were talking about some of that. And, and, and how many of you have ever been on a mission trip before? Anybody? You know, some of the things you do on mission trips, it really scares you to death, although we... we we, we discovered why it's easier to do on a mission trip, is that you can go door-to-door door and share Christ with people. Has anybody ever done that? It didn't go away when I put my hand down. Maybe if I just don't quit talking. I know what you're saying. That's not hard for me. So, so going door to door, and, and you go and knock, and, and with us, we did this in, in Panama, and, and we were really helping a church plan, and so we were inviting people to a Bible study that they were doing as a kind of a launching pad for this church plant. And you knock on the door, and you invite them to Bible study. Always, always um, really resulted in, in a spiritual conversation, and, and that's kind of cool. And it's pretty easy, you know, when you're there, and I had my translator, even though I can speak Spanish. By the end of the week, I was speaking Spanish. My translator didn't realize that. It's always fun when you speak Spanish and your translator translates it into Spanish. I said, is my Spanish that bad? You have to translate my Spanish into Spanish. She didn't know what she was doing. When you're doing door-to-door, it's kind of easy because you're probably not going to see them again. But really, we're called to invest in people's lives. Can you just turn that down? That's going to drive me absolutely batty if that doing that the rest of the service there we go nope don't ever pick on the sound people i'm saying you develop a friendship i can't even talk now let me turn it back on no you develop a friendship with them and it's from that relationship that you share christ with them so you invest, you invite, you invite them to church, invite them to the things we're doing. Actually invite them into your life, into your home, and then you do life together through Christ. And, and so that's really our strategy. That, that sounds simplistic, and we want it to be that way. And, but, but if we only stop there, that still doesn't help us to understand how, how does this flesh out? What does this look like in, in the life of the church? And so that's where we come to today. Today we're talking about the ministry. And and ministry, we're talking about where. Where does this stuff happen? And and so a a, a church's ministry is where all of this stuff takes place. And and it doesn't mean that it only happens within the walls of the church. What it means is uh, the ministry, that's the vehicle by which we can do the things that God has called us to do in this community. And so I just want to read some to you. I, I, I had originally thought that uh, we would end the service today with you signing up for a ministry somewhere, but, but I realized the title of the series is Reset. And so part of what we're going to do is reset in, in our ministries. And before we inundate people with uh, our ministries with a lot of people for them, that, that we probably ought to reset and, and then bring people in. But let me just tell you some of the ministries that we have. Uh, we have children's ministry. I don't know if you know that. Uh, I love it. It's really kind of funny for me. Sometimes when, you, when people show up on Wednesday and they say, hey, what's going on? 
don't have much. We just got about 70 kids that are going to be here at 3:30. <laughs> our, our, our main, our, our main part of our children's ministry, I guess I would say the the crux of our our our, our children's ministry is our kids club that happens on Wednesdays, and this place is full. Our kids everywhere. And at the end, there's a bunch of tired workers. We have a children's ministry. We also have a student ministry, a youth ministry. Um, right after that, actually, it kind of overlaps a little bit. Our, our students start coming after school. We, we have about 40 that are involved in our student ministry, uh, our teenagers, 6th through 12th grade. We have a men's ministry. We have a women's ministry. Uh, and some of these are, are ministries to come. We're going to expand some of these. But a welcome ministry, what we're, what we're talking about uh, in a welcome ministry is that's our, our parking lot ministry. Uh, people are out in the parking lot helping people park. Thank you. I, I, uh, I was teaching these students Sunday school class this morning, so guess what we did? We, we helped some of you park, right? Might have inadvertently turned a few away. We hope not. No. Uh, we, we help. So a parking lot ministry, people that, that are out, out in the parking lots and, and help people find a spot that are really greeting them there and then extend that on into our greeters as people come into the church. Um, coffee area. How many of you, that would be like the ministry you'd sign up for right away, right? Um, so, so to have people in the coffee area is part of our welcome ministry to welcome people in, to, to help them, particularly if it's their first time here, that to help them find out where, where do I go for Sunday school? What's happening right now? And, and, and where does that happen for me? Our ushers... Helping people be seated. Um, offerings, helping uh, pass out, uh, not pass out. <coughs> we had a rash of those one summer, so um, we need to remind people when they come visit, drink a lot of water. Um, but uh, that, 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 that pass the, the offering place, that take up our, our offerings. Uh, we, we've got our counters, that, that's our counting ministry, the ones who go back and count that and get it all sorted and, and ready for deposit. We, we have our worship tech team, uh, our maintenance uh, and that includes, includes the grounds and facilities and our vans. Um, our, our library. Some of you go, we have a library. See, that's what I'm saying. Um, our, our library ministry helped just organizing that and keeping... Uh, I don't know about you, but um, the whole idea of evolution really just kind of cracks me up a little bit. Because we know in life, things tend toward chaos. They don't tend toward order. Is that? If you don't believe me... Uh, you come, vacation Bible school, I'm going to put you in there with the two-year-olds. And we're just going to let them go. So our library ministry, um, our outreach, uh, that is follow-up and, and specific things we do. Uh, I keep saying this every year, and it's going to happen eventually. But one of the things I'd love to do is, is have, as a church, have a huge presence in stuff like Mardi Gras. That they can't walk five feet without bumping in. And, and, and here's what I would love. That, that not that you know we're not going to beat them over the head with a Bible. That's a different ministry. I'm kidding. No, that was a joke. But but I, wouldn't it be awesome that the hundreds and hundreds of people who come and there were hundreds here yesterday that, that they can't go five feet without bumping into somebody from First Baptist Church and they're the friendliest people they run across. Wouldn't that be cool? So outreach, not just there, but but the other things that we do, and and then events. Uh, the, the just the I don't know if you've ever planned uh, an event for an organization, but those things, you know, there's a lot of logistics that go along with that, and we need people to help carry those out. And and as we as we head into this, what I what I want to do is in each one of our ministries that we have, and and even uh, you know, it's easier to start with a ministry when you're beginning one. 
But, but I want to do a reset. In things as simple as our, our children's ministry, our, our youth ministry, our men's ministry, women's ministry, I, I want to do a, a reset. What, what I mean by that is I want every one of our ministries to be crystal clear about what it is they're called to do, how that fits into the big picture of what our church is called to do, and then how is it that they are going to accomplish that. And so I'll be visiting with our ministries over the next several months. And what we're going to do is we're going to develop a map. How many of you remember what those are? I know. Some of you younger ones are going, that's the app on my phone, right? It says maps. What I mean by a map in ministry is this is a ministry action plan. And really, it's just a way for us to go back and say, what is this ministry about? Have you guys ever, this happens to me, I, I can, I have great trouble cleaning stuff out, because here, here's what happens. I know some of you said, I know I've been in your office, but but I, I will I will go through it, and, and, and there's this box, and, and I'm going to clean out this box, and I pull, I say, oh man, I forgot I had that, that's, that's cool, I put that over there, and I pull this out, and, and before long I'm reminiscing, and I'm putting puzzles together, and... <laughs> I kind of forget what it was I set out to do. Now that happens all the time for me cleaning stuff out, but we don't need to let that happen in our ministries. And sometimes we just need to kind of do a reset. What is this ministry about? Sometimes, sometimes we need to tweak the purpose for that ministry over the years. Sometimes we just need to go back and say, all right, now that's where we began. Does that still apply for where we are today? Does that still apply for, for where we are in the life of our church? Does that apply for where our, our, our children's ministry is or our youth or men? Does that apply for our community? Do we need to tweak that? Do we need to update that? And so that's what I want to do in each one of our ministries. And, and then, even if that doesn't change, to go and say, what's the best way to accomplish this? <coughs> As we all tend to fall into what Albert Einstein would describe as insanity. Keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Sometimes we need to change our methods. Sometimes we need to change the strategy about how we go about something. And so that's what I want to do in the weeks and months ahead is to reset in our ministries. And and. Some of you, this may not be exciting for you. I know I'm a, I'm a weird kind of guy. I've just accepted that, and you guys tell me that all the time. But things like this excite me because it's almost kind of like re-energizing a ministry. Have you ever just had something and you just did it, and you just, you know, just kind of that's just what I do. You know, I I just go and I show up and I do this, and and and, and if you're not careful, it'll just become mundane. It'll just kind of become commonplace, or just kind of even boring or sometimes tedious for us. And when we go back and reset, I just want to re-energize our ministers. Maybe, maybe help us catch a vision again for, for what this ministry is to accomplish. And that brings us to all the way back around. We started with the vision, which is the who. That brings us back around to the who. So let, let me ask you a question. You would think I would learn better, but uh, I don't. It's just fun. Um, I, I did this my one of my first times as a youth minister preaching, and I asked the question, how many of you were saved by grace? 
No, I actually, I, I actually said, I said it wrong. So I finally, I worked it, and then my okay, but how many of you were saved by faith? Was what I asked. And 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 half of the church raised their hand. And I said, well, that's not what it says in Ephesians two. Eight. You're saved by grace through faith. And I got in trouble. But I'm not going to ask the same question. I want to ask you: Who does, according to the Scripture, who does the work of the ministry? And you don't have to answer out loud. Who does the work of the ministry? Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the Apostle Paul writes this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to do the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Is that what it says? No, turn there. <laughs> it got real quiet. Did I get myself in trouble again? This isn't even being recorded, so I don't have to worry about that coming up later. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. You see, it's the saints who do the work of the ministry. Now I know half of you right then said, well, good, that lets me off the hook. No, 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 no. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you placed your faith and hope and trust in Him, you are a saint. I, I, I've said this before. Maybe, maybe you were here, maybe you weren't, but I want to make sure you know this. Do you know that once you have come to faith in Christ, the Bible never calls you a sinner again, ever? We always say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. The Bible says you're a saint. And Jesus took your sin on the cross and the punishment for your sin on the cross and He gave you His righteousness in exchange. When God looks at you, He doesn't see a sinner saved by grace. He sees a saint righteous because of the work of Jesus Christ. And, and so really, and, and, and this, is, this is something that, that for me personally I'm trying to, to, to make a shift in. Rather than me doing the work of the ministry, it doesn't mean that I can't as a believer still do that, and I can and I should and I will. But me as your pastor, that, that I need to move into the, the, the mode of equipping you to do the work of the ministry for a lot of reasons. One, that's biblical. I'm an equipper. The, the other is that if we only rely on what I can do in the work of the ministry, we are limited a lot by me. But if I can equip you to do the work of the ministry, look, it's times 80. And we know it's not really us doing the work, it's the Holy Spirit doing the work, but if we can mobilize the church to do the work of the ministry... Can you imagine? Can you imagine what God can accomplish? When it comes to ministry, here's, here's what we say. When it comes to ministry, we want everyone serving somewhere. To, to put it another way, uh, let's say it like this. We want everyone perpetually engaged in one area of service. I know we all get to places place to say, I just want to take a break. Anybody? Be honest. I want to take a break. Well, how about this? Um, why don't you give me three more jobs? No, I'm kidding. Um, 
rather than backing off from ministry, I think it's a valid thing to say, you know what, I, I just need a change of what I do in ministry. Rather than, rather than not doing something for a while, I, I don't know about you, um, but my life, my calendar is like a cup of water. Whenever I pull my finger out of there, something fills that space. <laughs> right? Whenever I take something out of my calendar, it just gets filled. But what we want is, is for, for everyone in the church to be involved in ministry somewhere. Perpetually engaged in one area of ministry. And if we did that, if we did that, then we'd be fully staffed. In, in every place. I know I know what some of you, I, I just read, it, it came from over here somewhere. Um, that means I can quit doing the other three things I'm doing? <coughs> I don't know, but we want you at least to be involved in one area of ministry. In this passage, I saw really two, two key words that jumped out to me. They were equipped in ministry. And so as, as we're talking about doing a reset in, in our ministry, let, let's begin there. What, what my desire is that, that, that I become an equipping pastor. And that we become ministering saints. That's easy to say, isn't it? Now, now, just just to, to let you know, I've, I've chosen not to. We're not going to hand out things and have you sign up for a place. That's later. Not today. But but I, I want us to bring this. I, I was I was thinking about this, this passage. You've probably heard me say refer to Romans twelve a whole lot. Romans twelve chapter one really kind of of brings me to the place that I think I need to be in order to, because it's a place of surrender. That I can surrender to say, God, use me wherever you want, however you want. And this is what Paul says, Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's the ESV. Uh, that New American Standard says, which is your spiritual service of worship. Worship and service always go hand in hand in Scripture. I, I hope you know that. In fact, uh, there, there are places in Scripture that, that really kind of use them interchangeably, that, that as we serve, that is a form of worship. And what, what Paul is saying here is, is something that, that I don't know about you, but it's something that I need to be reminded of a whole lot. Um, we read, and, and there are people, I hope you know, there are people around the world, there are believers around the world that are today being martyred for their faith in Christ. Do you know that? That's still happening. And sometimes I think, you know, as, as hard as that might be, that, that, that might actually be the easier way out. Just to die, uh, be, be a sacrifice for Christ and say, Man, look at him. He was faithful to the end. And who knows, but God may call some of us to do that someday. But, but I can tell you with certainty that he's called every single one of us to be a living sacrifice for him. And I think that's harder. It's a place of surrender. 
that, that we have to take ourselves, our hopes and our dreams and our ambitions and our desires and, and our wants, and we have to take all of those and we have to lay them at the altar and say, God, they don't belong to me. I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to you. And so, God, I sacrifice myself to you every day, every morning. And I give myself to you. And, Lord, let my life be a sweet aroma for you. Let it be a sacrifice for you that's honoring and that's pleasing. <coughs> have, you ever, have you ever prayed something like that to God? God, I'm yours. Use me however you desire. And you're thinking, yeah, what if I end up in Africa? And that's where he wants you. What if I end up going to Denver for a summer? Then that's where he wants you. That's where he'll meet you. And some of you are going, I'll take either one of those. What if I end up in the two-year-old class? <laughs> and that's where he wants you. And that's where he'll meet you. Here's, here's the thing. You see, our, our Heavenly Father loves us. And, and, and we can we can spend a lot of time contemplating His love for us and, and not even barely scratch the surface. I think that's part of what we'll do in all of eternity is exploring the depths of God's love for us. And because He loves you, He's not going to torture you when, you when you offer yourself to serve Him. I, I've said a lot. I've learned early from other people's experience I'll never tell God what I won't do. Because I think, as a loving Heavenly Father, He says, Oh, you. <laughs> so you're never going to live in the desert? <laughs> but, but I have learned this from my own experience. That whatever God calls you to do, He changes you. When you surrender to Him, He changes your heart. And that's what you desire to do. When you delight yourself in the Lord, He actually changes your desires and you align with Him. And God's not going to torture you in serving Him. If you're being tortured where you're serving, let's fix that. But God turns your heart in the direction that He wants you to serve. So, so today, let me just ask if you would do this with me. And, and when I say this, that's not a rhetorical thing. I, I, I'm going to make the same commitment or, or, or the same response to God that I'm asking you to make. Would you with me today say, God, I lay myself on your altar as a sacrifice to you. I'm not mine. I'm yours. Would you use me however you desire? Whatever that is, whatever it costs, would you use me however you desire? And as I say that, maybe there's someone in here that, that's never, never, ever done anything like that before. Maybe you've never even come to the place where you say, Jesus, I just surrender it to you. I just surrender all to you. I would ask you to do that, and it takes an incredible amount of trust. But let me tell you this. You can trust the one to whom you pray this morning. He loves you with a love that's amazing. 
Do you think you want good for you? Your Heavenly Father wants so much more. In fact, He wants to do more than we can ever even think or imagine. We're so limited by us. But if we just lay ourselves on the altar this morning and say, God, I just surrender to you. Let my life be a living sacrifice and you use me however you desire. Let's pray. God, you, you're amazing. Lord, your love just continues to astound me. Father, you are faithful always. You're present always. And so, Lord, this morning, as we come, Lord, to the altar and, and lay ourselves at your feet, our prayer is that, God, we would be living sacrifices for you. And, God, we ask that you would use us however you desire for your honor and for your glory and for the sake of Christ so that people can come to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Father, we, as we pray this, we ask that you would give us the courage and the boldness not only to, to do what's right, but actually to, to carry that out as we walk through life beginning when we leave this place. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.